Hello and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're really glad that you decided to join us today. Whether you're a member, attend regularly, or this is your first time with us, we want to let you know we appreciate you. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you've been here for the last two weeks, we've been, we've been focusing on Jesus, which I guess is a good thing. Uh, we pray. We have a prayer meeting at, the, at, at 10 a.m. Uh, before church. Uh, it's a great time just for us to not only pray about the meeting, but just share what God's doing and join our faith together. Uh, and we would love you to join us. It's not just for people who are ministering. It's really a time that we just uh, set aside. And if you'd like to come, please, please join us. But one of the things that uh, we're just going around and saying, what do we have faithful for the meeting? And uh, one of the, the lady who's saying, Shirley, she said, she really just in the songs that she picked is to highlight the fact that Jesus is the same yesterday, today. And forever. And that, that really stuck with me that our focus should be Jesus now, should be Jesus tomorrow, it should be Jesus for the rest of the year. It's not just a New Year's resolution. Um, sort of the video uh, I was found by um, looking at uh, just how I want to start the year. And it really stuck out for me. And I thought it's what a great introduction to the year. But um, I was convicted today that it's not just something we. Uh, think about at the beginning of the year, but something we need to carry throughout the year. And we, we're looking at that today. Uh, I love how uh, even in the video it was explained that the kingdom of God is about people who love Jesus. And today we're looking at the topic is we're looking at, at what does a healthy church look like? But a church is not a building, it's made up of people. So if we're looking at a healthy church, we've got to look at healthy people. Now thanks to Modern day science, on my, on my wrist, I have everything I need to make sure my body is functioning. If my heart rate drops or increases, I have alarms going off on my phone. If my oxygen levels are not what they should be, we have devices that help us figure out our pulses or when we maybe attempt to do exercise and things are going really bad, our, our watches um, uh, panic. I often am playing with the kids and I suddenly get a notification on my watch, have you fallen? Um, if so, you know, SOS, and I was like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm okay, it's just a little bit, uh, just, that's what happens when you have boys and play with boys, but um, there's, there's a lot that goes into figuring out the health of, of a person, you know, right now it's cold plunging, it's fasting, it's uh, only eating green things, um, there's a lot of science that goes into it, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of indicators as well, blood pressure, respiratory rate, temperature, brain function, those are all indications that you're alive. Amen, thank God for those, thank God that we've got those, if you don't have those things right now, please speak to us, we'd like to just help you as best as we can right now. But at the same, at the same way as a body is healthy, we, we see the same analogy throughout Scripture. The church is described as a body. The church is described as, as a living organism. It's not just a static building. It's not just something we visit. It's something that we are. And if, uh, if, if, if the analogy is used like that throughout Scripture, then there should be signs of health. How do we know we're healthy? Now, very, uh, various authors have various ideas, and um, you know, there's a lot of good ideas out there. I've tried to, to narrow this down to, to really look at it from a biblical perspective. There's some things that all churches are meant to do. Whether they do or don't is not up to me, but everyone, every church should bring glory to Jesus and establishing God's kingdom. 
Every church should be involved around taking the gospel out. Every church should um, remain and occupy and, and be there until Jesus comes back. Those are sort of the broad strokes of what a church is supposed to do. As I assess things, I don't think we, we're not doing those things. But I want to go a little bit deeper. In Proverbs 4 verse 23, it says this. It says, keep your heart with vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. I love this analogy that's used in Proverbs. From it flow the springs of life. Does, that, does there anywhere in that scripture say you're responsible for the flow of life? No. It says... And, and, and the, 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 the proverb is speaking about salvation. It says salvation should just be something that bubbles up inside of us. Your job is to keep your heart with vigilance, which means make sure nothing is stopping that life. So if there's this, if there's this well that is, that is or, you know, this body of water that's just full of life, this, this scripture indicates that you can affect that by letting other things affect the well that's there. So you can get rubbish just stuck inside of it and sometimes we just need to do a spiritual checkup where we're removing rubbish out of that well so the well of the life of God can come. Another way of looking at it is in, in throughout Scripture we see this, uh, the kingdom of God and, and a godly life um, described as fruit. Now some of us try and... and it's, a, it's a great picture and last... Uh, Last uh, summer, we looked at summer. We looked at a, a thing called um, looking at spiritual f fruits throughout summer. Looking at the Book of Galatians and looking at the fruits of the Spirit, and it's really an indication of if we are saved, we'll see these things evident in our lives. But some of us treat it as though it's like plastic fruit that we just stick on. So we stick these things on, and we try and convince ourselves that we're healthy. I stick these things on. Maybe I stick a bit of self-control or a bit of. Uh, uh, whatever it is, and I try and act like I'm okay, but actually I'm not. And I, the culture we set as a church influences that. The things we, we celebrate, the things we worship, the things we do impact the life that God wants to bring. And we can't, we can't expect us to be healthy as people if we're not healthy as a church. So this preaches both a, a, a rap on the knuckles for me as a church leader to say, is our church healthy as well as a believer and as well as part of this church? And I'm hoping for you in the same way is an assessment to say, am I healthy? Am I celebrating? And am I fighting for the same cultures? Amen. In the book of uh, Colossians. Uh, so we, re we really need to develop this biblical culture of health and fruitfulness from scripture in the book of Colossians, Colossians 2 verse 16 to 19. It's, if you read it, it's this, it's this, uh, Paul's writing to him and saying that your, your, your strength as a Christian doesn't come from your good works or, or your, your a way of abiding by the law. In verse 19, he says this, he sums it up and not holding, uh, and not holding fast to the head from who the whole body nourishes and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. So he's saying the only way you can grow and experience this growth is by holding fast to the head from whom the whole body is nourished, is knit together through the joints, ligaments, grows with, with, with growth that is from God. 
So our good works, our, 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 our signs of health don't come from our practices, don't come from all the good things of abiding by the law and doing well and how good we, we serve coffee and how good our music is and how good our children's ministry is. No, our signs of success have to come from us being knitted into Jesus. He is the head. In Ephesians 4 verse 15 to 16, it says this. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Into, say it together, Christ, from whom the whole body joints and held together by every joint with which is equipped. Um, when each part is working properly, it makes the whole body grow. So it builds itself up in love. To Timothy 1 verses 13 to 14 says this. It says, follow the patterns of sound works that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So Paul's writing to, to, to a young Timothy who's, who's now leading this church in Ephesus, who we looked at a little bit last week. This church in Ephesus was an amazing church. And he says, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me is that there's a there's a culture that 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 Paul was 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 asking Timothy if you want to do what you're called to do follow this pattern that is set that was set before you. It's not something that that it's something that was caught. It was something that was what there was a culture that Paul was setting as well as by the infilling of the spirit, by the dwelling of the spirit, you're able to do this and this, this deposit that God gives us. So if we call ourselves Christians, if we love Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there's a deposit of the spirit. And with the culture that we establishing here as a church, we can make an impact, right? So I hope, I hope you're on the same page and we can do this together. It's not, uh, we don't want to leave anyone behind. Uh, I don't want to assume anything. It's one of, that we've spent the last two weeks looking at what a healthy or what, a, what a, the theology of a church, just walking through scripture, looking at different examples of, of how important church is. I'm not yet to convince you to fill the seats just because we have to. I'm convinced because I've given my life to to leading a church because this is what Jesus is coming back for. It's coming back for a bride. Coming back for a church that is, is big, is full. Not for number's sake, for impact in the kingdom's sake. So what is a healthy church? What is, what is, if, a health, if we look at a healthy church, we look at healthy people. What is the signs of health? The first thing, be relationally alive and responsible. What does that mean? There's this... There's this understanding that goes back to the beginning of, of Christianity, the beginning of the Bible, actually. And it's this word, maybe you've heard it before, maybe you haven't. It's called covenantal relationships. One of the values that we hold dear to and we're going to fight for in this church is relationships matter to us. I'm not, a, I'm not happy with someone just coming to church on a Sunday and slipping in the front door, sitting down, and as soon as I say amen, they slip out and they're gone. No, relationships matter to me and to us that I'd love to have a cup of coffee with you. I'd love to get to know you. I'd love you to come have dinner around my table. I'd love to take you for a meal. I'd love to take you for coffee. I'd love to go for a walk in the park. Whatever you want to do, it's not because I don't have friends. I just want to make friends, although I do want to make friends. 
But it's, I want to I I live life with you. Church is not just a meeting on a Sunday, tick box, done. No, church is doing life together. And there's this relationship that we see with the Godhead in, in creating the earth and creating in creation where it's expressed through Adam and Eve, which is expressed through Israel, which is expressed through Jesus and how he deals with his disciples. And it's this of a covenantal relationship. It's friendship. Covenantal relationship is friendship with partnership. It's not just we friends. It's not just, hey, we just hang out, we do this. No, we are friends and therefore we are partners in the gospel together. Covenantal relationships. We see so the first covenantal relationship that we see is obviously God. We see how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they, they are friends. They work together. They, they, they partner together. There's this partnership that they are the perfect example for us. There's not one better than others, but there's unique roles to each of them. The father has a role that the son has, can't do, and the son has a role that the father can't do. And the Holy Spirit has a role that the son and the father can't do. One's not better than the other. One's not lifted above the other. They are in covenantal relationship, and they work together. We see that in the beginning. We see that throughout scripture. And with, with that example, the, the, the next way we see covenantal relationships working out is in our family in God, is our church, is our church family. What are some of the things that, uh, that, that we have to fight against? Because the, devil, the devil's really, his, 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 his role right now is he really wants to stop covenantal relationships. He's okay with us just coming to church and attending. If we just exist and just go to church and then we go out, it's really, we're not living out of Christianity. So what are the things that we need to fight against? Unforgiveness. Forgiveness should define and should be the identity of every Christian. Because we are forgiven by Jesus ultimately, we should be people who forgive. Do you know the reality in life is, I'm going to offend you. I'm sorry that I, that I probably have already offended you. I say this every single time. I live most of my life eating my own foot because I've stepped in it or I've you know, said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing. Especially in a culture, in a city like New York where there's so many different cultures, what might be culturally acceptable for me might not be culturally acceptable for you. But together we love Jesus and we're trying to work this out together. So we might offend each other. Not might, we will offend each other. So let's live in forgiveness. You're going to offend me. And you probably have offended me. I don't want to point it out. No one's doing it now. But as a preacher, it's, it's not the most comforting thing when you suddenly just hear, of the seat going back with the leather. You're like, oh, well, guess I wasn't that entertaining that someone had to... Maybe just fall asleep. If you want to get your feet comfortable, it's perfectly fine. Don't, there's, there's freedom in Jesus. But there's enough in life that's going to make us offended by each other. So why don't we choose now, because of the sake of our covenantal relationships and relationships matter to us, let's live at forgiveness with each other. So maybe someone might steal your chair, or maybe they, they grab your cup of coffee, or maybe, I don't know, whatever's going to happen. We can't, normally in church settings, you fight over parking spaces, but uh, there's no such thing as a parking lot, yeah, at least. So whatever 
could come up. I'm using ridiculous examples, but whatever could come up, let's choose to live at forgiveness with each other. Because unforgiveness is the thing that has split churches. Unforgiveness produces resentment, produces disunity. I don't know if that's the word, but it's a word now. It produces divisions. It produces criticism. It produces gossip. It produces all those things. So let's choose to forgive. By love for one another, they will know that we are his disciples. There's a thought that myself and my wife were just debating um, just theologically and working out. What is the purpose of church on a Sunday? This meeting, what is the purpose of it? And a lot of people say different things. Maybe it's to, you know, welcome unsafe people into it. And maybe it's to be a, you know, be a witness. In, and I, I, I have a theology on it and I, I believe in some, in in this, but we're still working it out to, to some degree. But the, 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 the premise came from, we, we both read the same thing of this person that was saying it said that they believe that Sundays are not meant for unbelievers or visitors. They're meant for a moment where the church gets together. That's why it says and has instructions like this. By the way you love one another, they will know that you're the disciples. So they don't know that we're Christians because you bring them to church and the preacher tells them. No, they know we're Christians by the way we live with each other. But if we don't see each other from Monday to Saturday, they will never know that we're part of a church that loves Jesus. And I know we spread out. I know all those things. I'm not saying that we all need to live together in the same apartment block because that would be weird. Because I'll get offended by you all and then we go back to the whole forgiveness thing. But we should have relationships that that go beyond a Sunday meeting. And by the way we love each other, by the way we show love to each other in this room who are part of, of, of um, Journey Church, they will know we're disciples. Amen? Maybe you're not convinced. That's fine. But this is the way we're heading. This is the culture we're wanting to establish. This is what we're wanting to fight for. As much as possible, live at peace with each other. So we've got God, the covenant relationships, we've got, we got our family, our church family, and then we've got the world. We want to be known, we want to make impact in the community, we want to take the gospel out, we want to fulfill the Great Commission, Acts 1 verse 8, we receive power to be witnesses, we want all those things, but we can't bypass the middle one. We want, sometimes we're okay with God, we're okay with the ends of the earth, but we're not okay with existing in a church. And you might have some church hurts, that is valid. I hope we're able to redeem that and show you a better way because we shouldn't be living with church hurt. People are going to hurt us, but let's live in forgiveness as much as we can. They will know us by the way we love. We are motivated by love. Love compels us. The second thing is relationally alive and responsible. Be biblically persuaded. Is there's lots of extremes that come. There's a lot of different fads. There's a lot of different things you need to focus on. You need to be more focused on, on, on many different uh, uh, distractions and extremes in the, in, in the church, uh, in church world and in, in church culture. There's, sometimes it becomes very political. Sometimes it becomes very social uh, with social issues. There's, there's a lot of different things that sometimes churches get involved in, in 
in their focus of and in their, their desire to want to be more appealing to people outside of the church that they lose their way. No, we want to, to, to the signs of health are we are relationally alive and responsible and we are biblically persuaded. Everything we do has to be biblically motivated. Amen? It's, it's, uh, I'm going to give you two scriptures. You can write them down and go through them. Uh, 2 Peter 1 verses 3 to 4 and 1 Timothy 3 verse 15. It's this, it's the, the, the Bible has been given for a reason. It's this, it's the, 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 it's alive and active. It's something that we can apply to our lives, that we can, we can, we can uh, uh, work through. It's time to get back to the centrality of the Bible. It's not something that we just pick up when we want to feel good. It's something that we live in. So, so are you reading through Scripture? Do you have a reading plan? Do you have a plan to, to systematically and regularly work through Scripture? Is the Bible the highest authority in our lives? When it comes to parenting, when it comes to finances, when it comes to loving your wife, when it comes to all these things, do we visit other opinions before we visit the Bible? Do we love the Word of God? And you might say yes to all those questions. And the fourth one I want to ask you is, do you process what is preached? I hope you know that I don't just thumb suck on a you know, Saturday night, what do we feel like preaching? That there's, 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 there's time and effort to hear God for, for the sake of where we're going and what we're doing. There's time and effort that is taken to, to, to make sure everything is biblically based in what we're doing and what is preached. So please don't just leave it on a Sunday. Take it with you and work it through in your life. The importance, the priority, and the centrality of the gospel all is found in the Word of God, and that needs to be carried with us every single day. That leads into the third one, the third sign of life, is we need to be apostolic and prophetic in our Christianity. Now, those are two big words. What do they mean? Well, the first one, apostolic, is a willing heart to go. Prophetic is can we see what God is doing? These are two massive themes that we see throughout Scripture especially in the New Testament. The, the Acts 1 verse 8 is a, is a cornerstone scripture for us in this church. It's something we believe that God is establishing us. It's you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of earth. Matthew 28 verse 19 to 20. Go therefore and, and, and make disciples of all nations. There's this apostolic, there's this call to not just exist for ourselves, but to exist for people who don't know Jesus. And you might think, I'm okay with going to the ends of the earth, but do you know who's called? Every single time you roll out of bed and put your feet on the floor, you're walking out and re representing the kingdom. You're on an apostolic mission, if you want to look at that. We're okay with sending things to missionaries and other, and sending people to, to untouched people groups and, and places that don't know the gospel, but yet God's calling us to do that exact thing every single day we walk and we exist. 
This, this apostolic commitment, this commitment to doing this is we're partnering with the gospel. We're partnering with, with Jesus and what he's wanting to do through us to make disciples. And that impacts the way and the relationships we have with other churches. We partner with other churches. Bless you, bless you, bless you. We partner with other churches in the city for the sake of the gospel. We don't just link our arms with any random person. No, if they are about Jesus and they are about his kingdom, we want to work with them, Right? That impacts the, the, the doors that God's opening with us into other nations. And we will see that worked out in, in, in months and weeks. And we'll get other people come and speaking who, who lead churches in different parts of the country, and different parts of the world. Why? Because those are apostolic partnerships for the sake of the gospel. And prophetic is the way we lead our lives. Apostolic is the way we live our lives. Prophetic is the way we lead our lives. We see what God is doing and we pursue that. It's not just about a, a tick box. It's not just about a, a church meeting. No, it's seeing what God is doing and pursuing that above everything else. It's something we hold up every single, every single time. 2 Peter 1 verses 16 to 21 is this great passage of Scripture, but I want to just... Uh, uh, Peter highlights these two things. He says, he, says, he shows us how to year what God is saying, and to see what God is doing. And that's important. In everything we do, are we hearing what God is saying and are we seeing what God is doing? That's prophetic. Often we teach the prophetic and we, we, we see the prophetic in Scripture and we think it's like this, this, this magical ball that you know, the, prophecies, the prophets are going to look in and tell us about our future. No, prophecy is, is what God is saying and what He wants to do and seeing what He's doing. And that's how we need to live our lives. It's waiting on God, listening, and obeying Him. Waiting on God, listening, and obeying. Often we're okay with waiting and listening, but the obeying. If you have kids, you know that's often the struggle. So the fourth one is signs of life. It's probably one of the most important ones. Is be prepared to make the changes God requires. Not be prepared to make the changes Craig requires or Journey Church requires. No, be prepared to make the changes God requires. We can only see signs of health as we go through seasons. You only know a, a tree is healthy if it produces fruit. And that requires a change of season. So health comes from the ability to make transitions. Joshua verses 3 to 4, it says this, you have never been this way before. So, we, so if, if God is requiring us to make a change, He's making a transition, the goal is to take our inheritance. So he had to transition the leadership from Moses to Joshua, and he was leading Joshua to a different, a different place where they hadn't been before. But the goal was their inheritance. The goal was we're willing to make this transition and go through what we have to do for the sake of our inheritance. And I feel like God's saying the same thing. I know this church has gone through many transitions, and we're in the process of getting to know me more. And transitioning to my style of leadership, which, I, which is not my style based on how I like, what I like and what I don't like. It's what is biblical and what is true to scripture. So we're going to make the transitions we need to so this church and all of us can reach our inheritance. Amen? Amen. 
The next change is the ability to change our wineskin. What is a wineskin? Is a wineskin was a, it was often a, uh, a pig's bladder or a organ that in the old days they would, they would use olive oil and they'd make it into this pliable sort of, sort of material that they could hold wine in it. And once the wine was finished, the, the, the wineskin would go crusty and would crack. And if you try to pour, pour new wine into it, it would just explode. So God's wanting to change us. He's wanting to, to give us a new, there's new wine. What does it represent? That the Spirit's wanting to do something new with this church. The Spirit's wanting to do something new with us. Is it outside of the gospel? No. This, the new thing He wants to do is He wants to set us on fire so we can know Jesus and we can make Him known. And that requires a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. So the goal is getting this new wine to everyone that needs it. So we might have to change the ways we do it. It might be an expanding, it might be a, 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 maybe our hearts and maybe our motives and maybe our attitude towards church is growing a little bit crusty and old. And God just wants to come massage that so He can increase our capacity, so He can give us new wine. Allow, the next one is allow God to prune us. John 15 verses 1 to 3. Is this, this God is interested in our fruitfulness. He wants to trim the branches that aren't producing fruit. Uh, fruit and he even wants to pr um, prune and trim the fruitful branches. Why? So the goal is bear more fruit. So it's not just trimming and cutting back so it looks good. No, it's trimming and cutting back so in seasons to come there can be more fruit. So allow God to change and cut away what might, you might think, why are we getting rid of that or why are we doing that? No, it's for the sake of more fruit. Stretch out, stretch out. In, in Isaiah 54 verses 1 to 3, there's this picture of this tent curtains being stretched out. Why is God calling us to stretch out? Why is He challenging us to stretch out? The goal is an increased capacity. God wants to do more with us. Course corrects as God's light illuminates. Acts 3 verses 19 to 20 speaks about this. It says, repent therefore and turn again. It's repent and turn to Jesus. Stop following yourself and your own ways of doing things. Follow Jesus. And the goal is refreshing. The goal is as God illuminates a new way of doing things, He wants to refresh us and we want to see revival. I don't know about you, but I'm desperate to see revival. The analogy that, I, that I've been praying through the last couple of weeks is Abraham prays for uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and he's like, God, fine, give me, give me, uh, it starts off at like, I think a hundred, you know, righteous men and then it goes to 50, whatever it goes down to. And finally, there's no righteous people in the city. So God smites Sodom and Gomorrah and the challenge of leading what God's doing. Yeah, I'm like, God, give us as many righteous people. And as I've looked I think we have righteous people, right? So, so God's got a plan for us. It's not just let's close doors and go do something else. No, God's got a plan for us. Let him breathe his spirit into that so we can see revival. Allow God to change us from glory to glory. A change from God does not mean we go backwards. It's from glory to glory. It's more fruits. The goal is becoming more like Jesus. Sadly, most of us get into a place where we don't want to change and we get comfortable with the status quo and often that is just dead religion. But God wants to set us on fire. We see that in the church in Ephesus. We see the church in, in Laodicea. 
We went through that last week, and you can go back and look at those as great examples. Uh, the, John writing to the church in Laodicea it's in, in Revelation 3, it's like this. Jesus is knocking at the door, waiting to come into the church. And I feel like Jesus is knocking at the door of this church, knocking at the door of many hearts, saying, I want to come in. Are we going to let Jesus come in and change everything so his name can be glorified, so he can be lifted up? So in conclusion, momentum is great, and we love momentum. It's something as a church leader we strive for, we want, because it means that we're taking steps forward. We want that, but I default, the way we're going to achieve momentum, whether it is small or it's big or it's huge revival or it's small revival, is our default has to be faithfully, faithfully persisting in seeing God come, because at due time, we will reap the harvest. Don't faint. The illustration is often sometimes rot sets in, but it takes... Yes, Lord. Listening? <laughs> the illustration is often rot sets in, and it takes, it takes seasons for it to, to see when the rot finally takes place. Now, I don't believe rot is set in, but I do want to say, well, maybe let's try revive our hearts so we don't see rot, but we see the kingdom of God manifest more and more and more and more. So we need to be sensitive to the Spirit, keeping in step with Him. And the challenge is this, is are we producing kingdom fruit season by season? And the biggest thing that stops this is, obvious, is, is living with sin, often sins of omission and sins of commission. What does that mean? It's an act of commission, doing something wrong or omission, falling, failing to do the right thing that leads to an undesirable outcome or significant potential such as sin. So if we're stuck in sin, God wants to redeem us. If we're stuck in, in, in dead religion, God wants to redeem us. If we're stuck in just doing the same thing over and over and over, God wants to redeem us. That's what the kingdom of God is about. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with the three questions I asked for the last two weeks. How close are you to Jesus? How close are you to the leadership of this church? And how close are you to each other? We're not meant to do this alone. As a leadership team, as a leader, we are striving to be a healthy church. And we need to all be healthy to be a healthy church. Amen? Amen. Please don't get angry if I was passionate or fast or loud or anything. It's because I'm passionate about Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm not angry with anyone. No shots are being fired at anyone other than the shots that Jesus is firing. And um, scripture, and we want to uphold those things. And as much as... I'm preaching to us, I'm preaching to myself as well. I need to, I have to daily do a good check in my heart and my motives and my, my role in all of this. So can I pray with us? Lord God, we thank you that this is not a dead religious game. It's not just about ticking boxes. It's not just about doing church. It's not just about religiously going through what we need to do. It's about worshiping you, Jesus, with everything. In the songs we sing, in the, in the way we do fellowship, in the way we look at the word, uh, the way we pray, everything we do has to revolve around Jesus Christ. And I pray we fight for that above everything. I pray, look, God, we work out the relationships because we want to be in unity. We want to be a good expression of Jesus to this world. Not invite them to church and come find it. No, as we live out our lives, they will see this, Lord God. Do a work inside of us. 
Holy Spirit, make Jesus known to every single one of us. And I pray for people in this room that might not know you. May they put their faith in Jesus Christ. I pray whatever they're struggling with, that they'll put their faith in Jesus. Not in man, not in systems, not in religion. In a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that's where our future comes from. That's where our hope comes from. That's how we're going to build this into the future and be a successful church. Is Jesus at the center of everything? We love you, our King. I pray you just give us a good week so we can be back here next week Sunday. Amen. Amen.